You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about my growler, I'm going to cut you. And Harrison Crow. Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least expect it. Hello, everybody, and yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian. With me, as always, a man who's won more trophies in the last nine months than the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Braves combined in their entire histories. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey to everybody, Harrison Crow. Yeah, but that was just a trophy for coaching. So, I mean, like, <laughs> did you? It, it, wait, it was, was that the soccer team that lost eight <laughs> one? Did you end up turning that around and getting a coach Dude, of the year totally, trophy? Dude, we totally did. Oh wow, totally you just marched it. Yeah, I totally Jesse marched it. I um, I am, but honestly, uh, Redberg Salzburg uh, actually they they talked to me. They reached about, out. They reached yeah, they out did. They saw. <laughs> Come on, um, it's, it's a true story. It's a true story. Jesse Marsh, greatest start to a coach in the Austrian Bundesliga. I think that's what it's called. Uh, history. Yeah. yeah. Wins in his first five games. I don't. I don't know enough about. The Austrian Bundesliga to know if it's just because his team is so so much better than everybody else, or if he's. But either way, I mean that's got to be that's got to partly be it. Yeah, like, I don't want to be disparaged. I feel like that's that's he, like Atlanta. He didn't mess it up. Sure, sure, but I mean, like that's not that's like partly like Atlanta coming in and going, we're so much better than the rest of MLS. We're you know we're ushering in a new era or aura you know uh no like (laughs) i i feel like to a degree saying that um it definitely feels kind of um hipster to say that but at the same time i i do think red bulls is legitimately kind of breaking that league yeah but also i mean you can mess that up and you can only coach the team they give you so uh congrats to jesse marsh uh, oh yeah not taking anything away from him at all definitely and uh, we've seen we've seen coaches go in and mess up good teams. It can happen. Um, sometimes knowing when to step back, you know. Sometimes the best chef. No wait, is it the, the best? Yeah, the best chef knows when the dish is finished. You know what I mean? And will keep seasoning. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really apt. Well, and, and not only that, but they understand that some some food doesn't need seasoning. So, well, yeah. I mean, right? Like, so look, you you want to kind of stay with this analogy. You look at yeah. like you know a lot of these cooking shows, and you, I, I don't know. My wife is a. It seems like they're always on in the house. There's mm-hmm. some really interesting things that go into the science of it, and just understanding. Well, this if I add this food, this food already brings that, so I can pair it with such and such food that yeah. will, and that way I don't have to add that artificial seasoning. You know, it, it's it. There's some interesting things, right? You know, a wise person once said to me, not personally, they said it in a book that I read, but they said, if you want to know if your dish has too much, if you want to know what too much salt tastes like, taste salt. And I always found that to be a very interesting uh, thing that you need to season just enough that it it complements the dish without standing out. And uh, yeah. I think basically what we're saying is Jesse Marsh should write a cookbook. That's absolutely. I would buy that cookbook. I'm not cookbook like I, I'm not even going to lie. I, I would totally buy that cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so good, good for Jesse Marsh. Uh, I, my hopes of having him, him come home uh, to to take the take a job somewhere that I want him to, uh, you know, maybe a little less uh, likely these days. But that's good. That's good to have an American coach out there. He'll be around him. in eight years. Eight years or so, exactly. We'll be ready. Um, man, so uh, U.S. Open Cup happened. It did. That, that, that was... was uh, yeah. It, it was a game? It was a game. I I kind of feel like... I didn't... I don't... <laughs> I didn't like the way it ended. I know that's not going to come as a surprise to anybody because I've always got... got. Uh, I think I've been very public with my soft spot for the Loons and my rather lack of a soft spot for Atlanta. Um, but I... <laughs> I just kind of feel like it... 
this would have meant the world to Minnesota. Like this would have been the best thing ever for this fan base, that organization. They've, you know, they started off. They had a really rough start. They've really done a good job of improving and just like building and building year after year. This would have been incredible to like have this sort of accomplishment uh, to, to hang their hat on. And with Atlanta, it's just going to be like, yeah, they won a trophy and like they're going to forget about it and want that guy fired again in a week if they lose this time. It's just not. It's like if Veruca Salt got the candy factory at the end of Willy right. Wonka. It's not as satisfying of an ending as I would have liked. I don't know if Veruca Salt's a fair comp, but it's true, right? Like, and you know, I think it was Wes uh, Burton uh, on Twitter who said that like this was. I think uh, maybe I'm crediting someone different um, who said that this was Minnesota's. Um, most accomplished game or it was the highest leverage game or something to that uh, effect. Yeah. Like this no, was the certainly. most important game that they've ever been in as yeah. an organization. And Absolutely. so I think just from that perspective, it was satisfying to see them there. And then, uh, you know what? Um, at first I really said that they didn't have, um, they didn't have a plan B. Yeah. Right. Um, they didn't have it looked like after they had that unfortunate goal that Manone should have cleared. Um, oh, you know, that was so trash. Like that was just like the flukiest. It, it was, it totally was. And, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it, that is what it is, right? I felt like Manone should have saved it. He, I felt like he got surprised and instead of just doing the safe thing and taking a couple steps back, he tried to reach for it and it just it went sideways, very, right? It was a very surprising shot. I mean, like, you, <laughs> that's not what you expect off a deflection. It, 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 yeah, I'm not saying Atlanta wouldn't have found a different way to score a goal. They may have, but, like, certainly, like, that was just kind of like, oh, my God. I wanted to turn it off after that because I was just so, like, poor loons. There's just no hope for them. Uh yeah, uh, that they bounce back. Uh, you know, they gave up another goal, very well-worked goal from Atlanta. Uh, Pity Martinez, um, a, a player that the fans don't like, um, you know, scored a big goal there. That's going to be good for his uh, profile. And um, then, you know what, I think... That was some trash defending, though. It was some trash defending, and that's something that we see. As much as Minnesota has improved over the last few years I, 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 I that's still an area of their game where they, I, they occasionally I, fall down and... I guess invariably yes right like they've had some moments but predominantly like I, and I tweeted this out yesterday they have had the the second best expected goals against over the last three months since they basically since they last lost to Atlanta they've been what the best Western Conference uh, team defensively I think it was Western Conference. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I expected them to definitely. I wasn't surprised that Darwin Quintero. I wasn't worried that Darwin Quintero didn't make the eleven. Like I got kind of got tired and burnt out of uh, of that being a narrative throughout the entire right. game was yeah. Darwin Quintero watch. But uh, realistically, like there should have been. I thought that they were going to play better, more compact, and it felt like after the fluke goal happened, they kind of fell apart, and just enough for Atlanta to jump on it. I didn't think Atlanta was great in this game. I really didn't. They were good, and and I think that's the scary part about Atlanta is that they're, they're a good team, and they have tons of talent, but they kind of coast at times, and they invited Minnesota back into this game. Yeah, and I, I mean, certainly... I think, yeah, I, I mean, I think on the whole, you could make a, a pretty credible case that, you know, I don't like to hand up deserved plaudits. Um, I, you know, I'd have to see, like, the actual numbers in the game. But you can make a pretty credible case that, you know, Atlanta did enough to win, that they, they, they got the two goals. That's, you know, they let one in, but they, they bent but, but did not break. Um, you know, we see a lot of teams do this. Like, that's a that's a way you win soccer games. Yeah. Um, so, like, you got nothing, you know. I don't feel like there was a grave injustice done um, no. and anything. But, but I also think that Minnesota, the, yeah, I think they took that early sucker punch and just were reeling for like 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and it was really wobbly there. And then, you know, the other goal happened and they didn't, they didn't fall down. Like they, they, they stayed in it. They, I, I, at that point, I very much thought that it was going to turn into a route and that we'd see like a, a five or six, nothing. 
but but they did. That's not what happened. And uh, so so credit to the loons for um, you know getting back on their feet and steadying things. And you know they made a they made a real game of it at the end. And, let me and, ask you. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. Watching that game, and you've like me have watched Osvaldo Alonso for for many a year. Yeah. He didn't need to be out there. Like that was the wrong play, right? I can see why they put him out there, but it didn't. That wasn't his best game, no. Like I would have started started Dotson and then somebody else in lieu of him. Like, I mean, I, I feel like there there was decision. There there could have been better decisions made. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those. Like I could have brought you... maybe bring him off the bench or something, but like start Ethan Finley. Start. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. This Miguel is one of those, I think this is one of those where me and you and maybe the people that are closer to the players and the team are going to like differ on opinion because I know they're going to say like this is a guy who's been here a number of times before. This is a veteran presence. And like, well, I look at that and go like, oh, I don't really care about that much. Um, <laughs> you know, I could I could see why like a player that or a manager that's close to the players might value that more than we would. So yeah. I understand it. I understand why he's there. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest players in U.S. Open Cup final history, probably. Yeah. yeah uh, top 10. So <laughs> Certainly top 10. Um, so it, it's a, uh, I get that. I, I, I can get the thinking behind it, but that's not something I value. And I, I probably uh, would have gone with Dotson. Well, yeah, I think Dotson was, Dotson had a great game and it, yeah. he's because it was good to see him have a great game on such a stage because mm-hmm. he really deserves it. Yeah. Right. Um, he's had an amazing first, you know, rookie season. Um, it, it's awesome. And Wait, is he rookie of the year? Who else is in that? Ooh, I have to think about this. I don't know. For early awards. I, uh, this used to be so easy to pick rookies because there was always one just incredible standout. But I can't think of any other rookies that have really... Am I missing anybody? I mean, uh, uh, Kai Wagner, is he is he a rookie? I don't know if he counts. Mm, I don't know either. Yeah, I'd have to Yeah, see, this is, this is... This is, we'll we'll this, address it in a couple we'll, yeah, minutes. We'll definitely, we'll definitely have to take a look at... Come back to this. Uh, Molino, really good. Yeah. Law, not so much. Yeah. Robinson uh, was good. Greg Goose was good. Uh, oh, Robinson was solid. I, Robinson had a, that really nice toe poke uh, there uh, towards the end of the game that I thought was excellent. Um, yeah. I think, I, you know, I, I, I really dislike hearing as much as, as, much as I do. I, I really hate the big horn that Atlanta has with him and that he needs to be in the U.S. men's national team poll. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he's really good and yeah. I'm really happy to see him finally getting minutes. Cause I feel like that's something you and I kind of uh, at least talked about, uh, peripherally, um, the last couple of years. So I'm really happy to see him getting starts. I don't know if he's quite ready for the national team yet, but I, I to be like, he should be starting. He's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. It gets a little bit old and a little bit tiresome and, um, yeah, you know who I really think should be starting for the U.S. men's national team? Uh, no, tell me, Julian Gressel. Well, I mean, he's German; he doesn't count. Yeah. Right now, but <laughs> there are a couple of Dude, steps. What can we do to get that guy yeah. a U.S. men's national Some team jersey? Important uh, steps need to be done. Uh, well, I, I mean, and it, it, if I were him, I would be angling for it. I don't think as you know, good as Julian Gressel is, he's going to be starting for Germany. No. Uh, so uh, yeah, they could certainly use him. I yeah, know, no, I, 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 I honestly I think he might be. It, it, honestly, if you added him to the right-sided pool, uh, right back, right wing, I I think he's at, at least no, in the top five, top three. But is he the right back that plays right back, or the right back that plays center midfielder? Dude, I I, I swear to God, I will come through this microphone and punch you. That's important <laughs> to note. I'm so tired uh, of that conversation. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> uh, I think it's like a very, um, uh, yeah. I, I would, I would assume somebody's working on that at some point, but, but I don't know. I don't know where his, uh, where his actual allegiances lay. Like he might really just be German to the core, and that's what he wants to do is play for Germany. Maybe. I don't, what? I don't blame the kid if he has ambition, but I honestly don't know. Like what? That's not going to happen. So he should probably work on. One last comment on the game last night. Yeah, Joseph Martinez. Like had two 
and I don't want to say uh, very un-Joseph Martinez like passes, but he had two uh, yeah. Miguel Omarone esque uh, passes he, like through he balls. Did. He put on a little creator hat there for a second. That was that was unusual. I don't know that I would not say that it's not in his locker. Like it could be. It looks like it may be. Yeah, uh, certainly but, does. But he's he's just generally not. That's just not what he's asked to do. So, um, or he doesn't get the opportunities a lot because he's always on the very end of these kind of possessions. But uh, yeah, good for Justin Martinez. You know, he seems like a good player. I think he's. I think honestly, if we give him some time, Justin Martinez is going to work out in Major League Soccer. I, I yeah, think I think that's can. a I think that's a really level take. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, poor loons. I'm so sad for the loons. They'll be back. Playoffs. Supposedly. No, I see it. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows I what know. could happen? I they could get squeezed know. out by Dallas. Oh. No, loons. I believe in you. Don't listen to Harrison. You can do it. Um. Speaking of the Western Conference, had a yes. big uh, rivalry week. Is there anything that stuck out to you? Any any results that really shocked you? You know, I really didn't think the Galaxy were that good. Galaxy, I think they got lucky because really I thought tw- <laughs> I thought that second half, I thought they were going to get rocked. Yeah, LAFC was rampant. Um, I don't know what it is about this particular fixture that's so uh, frustrating for LAFC, but Zlatan just seems to like step it up and do a couple of great things every time. And uh, Pavon looked fantastic at times in that first half, but that second half was all LAFC, and I was really surprised that that only ended three uh, three. I mean, crazy great game! Like that was a very entertaining game to watch. Yeah, uh, I cannot deny that. Um, yeah, so it. it <laughs> I love how people are like, well, there's going to be an asterisk next to LAFC season if they can't beat their rivals. It's like, <laughs> there isn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, they are crushing every historical metric we have. And like, so they didn't beat the Galaxy, who aren't going to, who are still like fighting for a playoff spot. Like, I, I will tell you which, uh, you know. Uh, the Los Angeles Galaxy would, would trade with uh, the Los Angeles Football Club uh, for for narrative and, and, and positions in a heartbeat. Uh, don't think for one second that this makes their season somehow less complete. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah. No. I, and look, well, you you already said it. I, there is no comparison for what the LAFC what LAFC has done this year. The Galaxy, um, they've got beat. And what they beat LAFC once or twice now this year? I think they had two wins. Or this they year? two two, two draws. Wins and one draw? Or yeah, one win and two draws maybe. But and look, so they didn't get beat by LAFC. They got just slapped down by San Jose. So really, they don't <laughs> yeah. have anything to say. Like nah, they, it's a it's a it's a, it's it's a straw they're clutching at. It really is. And look, right now, the Galaxy, like, everybody's championing uh, uh, El Trafico in the playoffs. Let me tell you right now, the Galaxy don't deserve uh, like that good of a draw. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they don't. They deserve to go to RSL or to Seattle or somewhere on the road. Yeah, I mean, that won't they? I mean, if they... Well, LAFC is going to get whoever's like the last playoff seed, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe that is what LA Galaxy deserve. That could be where they are. It would be entertaining. I mean, I love it for the thing. I'm very weary of Zlatan's whole shtick, but I mean, even as weary as I am, I mean, he he sure is entertaining in these games where he just just turns his his villain knowledge all up to eleven. Uh, you know, just like throwing his ears up at the crowd, like ah, let me have that hate. Well, like, yeah. I mean. And not only that, but like he, it's not like he just did it because like he's going to stand there while everybody else plays around him, right? And he's going to soak. No, he generates the hate by doing something like miraculous. Yeah. And, and like, I look, I, I think he absolutely goes into games and turns himself off. Yeah. In the midst of games. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely 100% believe that. That said, I also believe that there is some other 
um, some other driving force that for whatever reason, LAFC games, he doesn't do that. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the second half, he sort of just like turned off. Like he didn't really see much of him um, after that. Uh, you know, he kind of threw some, threw his physicality around a little bit. Um, but I think that he does have like vast stretches of most games where he's just kind of like charging his batteries or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> it works out if he can do it. You know, we've seen him do it in the past. But but I mean, I don't think he. I think he did kind of turn off a little bit in the second half. I well, I mean, he said it himself, right? Like he ran out of gas. And look, once they switched off Zimmerman, Zimmerman, and I, I'm not trying to call him any like adjective that might be disparaging <laughs> but Segura physically handled him like yeah. Segura put a body he on multiple occasions like Zlatan looked at him with an that angry look yep and Segura didn't back down that and was I'm not the saying that correct switch off yep I don't I'm not saying Zimmerman couldn't body him up or he was he just wasn't it yeah. wasn't about whether he can or cannot or whether he would or would not. It's purely about that was not happening. They made the appropriate switch, and Segura did it. And that was all that was needed. And Zimmerman got forward in a way that was excellent. Like, I mean, everybody just kind of put the cue on Miles Robinson and his ability to go get forward as a center back. But Walker Zimmerman definitely displayed some uh, some ball hawking skills. Um, that were on a couple of different occasions, including that uh, roulette towards the end of the game that I thought for sure was going to end in a goal. Yeah. Well, uh, the stage is set. I mean, the narratives are all in place, Harrison. I think we might we might see this in the playoffs here again. And, uh, well, I don't know. I think I'd be I, – I, I'll tune in. And if that's the thing that derail, okay. Now in that case, if they lose in the playoffs to the Los Angeles Galaxy, then absolutely put that asterisk by their season because that is hilarious. <laughs> Do you? I don't think that the. Okay, so I thought kind of I've kind of had a, a thought process about the playoffs as a whole. I feel like at least with this being a one game playoff, and at least yeah. this get the 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 team with the better regular season record. I feel like it does at least honor the regular season a little bit, right? Like, I feel um, like... No. Is that is that incorrect? I don't think so. I, I think it, it I think it absolutely makes... It, I, so, two legs mitigates the favorites, okay? Um, I agree with that. And so, I, I think that making it one leg, I mean, just like you get a red card in the second minute, you know, if Zimmerman gets sent off in the second minute for something and there's a penalty, like, that's it. That's the season. Like, because over it's two, one game? Yeah, over two legs, like, you can mitigate that a bit more, you know? And and so that gives... If you look at upsets... Well, that's playoffs in general, right? Right, 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 right. But sure, but I mean, one game, I think, shrinks it down even further. Um, and if you look at, like, the way that, like, upsets kind of get generated, usually they happen when... Uh, the underdog uh, makes the comeback late um, because there's less time they have to actually like, hold that lead. Uh, like, the longer they have to hold something, like, the harder it gets. And so, like, the longer timeline is always going to, I think, favor the favorite, so the better team. Um, so two legs, I think, is just a good example of that. So I don't know that it really helps. I don't, I don't think that's a great thing for LAFC. I think given any I, – I would – okay, so without question, I would put them against any team in a home-and-home. In a home. Um, but when it's just one game, anything can happen. They're still favorites. No, I mean, anything can happen. And, but okay. So your, your point of the red card, right? Like you, you look at the game last night in the U S open or (laughs) yeah. U S open cup. Uh, you had Perez get that two yellow cards back to back within like a span of five minutes. And that was late. But if that happens Mm -hmm. early, it's a whole different game. You're, you're right. But on both occasions, Perez was stupid. Like, and I'm sorry if that's offensive to people. Look, he made, he made bad decisions. Like he, he went out of his way to, to put the to put the call. Look, I get a bad call clearly, happening clearly. and impacting the game, yeah. but in this case and in many cases like this, in, in cup finals and in playoffs, you have to be on your toes. Your decision making has to be that much sharper, that much better. And if you're going to go in for tackles, if you're going to go, um, if you're going to in any way try to win back a ball and 
that sort of manner, if you're going to have to try to disrupt a, a transition, you have to know you're going to get a yellow card or at least expect it. And if it doesn't happen, great. You got away with murder. You're Ozzy Alonso in this case, who should have been sent off for his studs up uh, tackle. He got away with murder. You should know, though, that well, it's probably going to come that a yellow card's probably going to come in this situation. I think you tend to see in like finals particularly that officials are a little more hesitant to make that big decision. Um, I, I think that's just a natural human psychological thing where it's like, oh my God, the whole world's here for this occasion. You know, if I send a guy off in the third minute, like that's it. Game, game's over or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there's arguments about it. I, I, all my point is saying this is just that uh, – one stupid decision over 90 minutes hurts more than one stupid decision over 180 minutes. And that the longer you have to mitigate that, it favors the better team. I don't disagree with that take. However, um, you, you're talking about 180 minutes. And 180 minutes, when you're talking about matchup sake, I feel like um, the better matchup is going to come out of that um there are teams that are just better matchups for for even though they have less talent they're a better matchup against certain teams and i feel like that comes out more and is more pronounced um the longer that game goes on maybe that's incorrect that's just my personal feeling i don't have numbers to back that up maybe we could look into we'll get elliot get on that yeah work up a chart for us elliot um, we'll figure this out. Troy, if you're listening, come on, get in there. Uh, so yeah, so it, it's a, it's, it's a curious scene, uh, for sure. It, it's definitely going to change up how the playoffs are played. And I understand why they made that decision to, uh, shrink the playoffs because it was way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should have kept the two legs and just had less teams. Uh, but this is how they've decided to do it. So, uh, there we go. It's going to create, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be at least one good team that you thought was going to go all the way that's going to be knocked out somewhere in one of these one-off games. If, if you shrunk it down, how many teams get in? Four on each, maybe. Is that okay? Can we do four on each? That seems reasonable. Yeah. I'm re- I mean, I, I would almost suggest uh, We've almost three. got half the conference going in at this point. Like, I don't, yeah, like three. Well, and the reason, five. and I say three because you give the first team a bye. Give them a bye. The t- I like that. Yeah, let's do three instead. I'm done with three. Okay. It's a better, you know what, like your seventh place team winning MLS Cup. I mean, I know that they like that. That is actually legitimately what they want is that kind of storyline that can happen. And they want to get more fan bases involved and more tickets sold. And I I get it. I get it. But if you're trying to actually use this MLS Cup to decide your best team, um, you you need to like release some of the no one no one believes it's the best team though no one does no Mm. no one go i mean no disrespect to the the timbers if they went into atlanta last year and won mls cup there's not one person that would come away from that saying well portland's the what's that matt doyle probably would (laughs) (laughs) he loves those timbers Uh, um gotta love them let's talk about the second best team in mls let's talk about the east all right let's do it you have written on our rundown here, who is the quote-unquote leader in the East? Um, by that, I guess what you're asking is, who's the best team in the East? And the answer is Chicago. No, it's not Chicago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but our model says they should be. There, there, there's somebody it, out there that's really pissed off. Hasn't right now. relented. Our model has not relented in the face of un- unwavering support for Chicago for some reason. Michael, I'm so sorry. I know you're listening. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they've had a great... They've, from a statistical perspective, they've had some really weird anomalies, right? They, they're, yeah. Their expected goal differential is extremely high. Uh, however, Philadelphia is closing that gap. Yes. We'll so talk what, about you, them in a sec. You've put down three teams here you've put down atlanta new york city and the new york red bulls feel like those are the 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 common talking talking points now uh, why you, not the philadelphia union um well so the red bulls are not doing great this year they're not they're not excellent 
uh, you know, they're there. They're a top four team. I think that they, I think there's a tier right below them with like DCs and New Englands that they're kind of there. Um, but, but I think that Atlanta, NYC, and Philadelphia are your best three. I think the standings are fair there. So right now on, I think as of the stand, what do the standings say? Is it New York or Atlanta in the top? I think it's Atlanta. Yeah, it's Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta and Philly have 48 points each according to this. Yeah, so they got the uh, NYC FC with the uh, points per game. They have a nudge over Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, if I gun to my head and looking at three teams, uh, I'm going to say it's NYC FC. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, they do have a slight edge in points per game here. Um, certainly Philly is work on that. I think one of the things that you look at with um, New York City is they. this is, like, the first year they've been really good at home. Well, I think maybe they were a little bit better last year. I, I don't know. I, I feel like that was always kind of their deal was they did a lot better. <laughs> they did pretty well on the road, but they didn't have that home dominance that you kind of need. Uh, let's see, they're 12-1-4 in 2018. That's not terrible. So I, I think that they're legitimately for for yeah, probably the first time is I think they're a well-rounded team. Yeah, I, I think not only can they attack uh, with Aber the man the dude's lights out, but uh, defensively they're a really solid team. They're a very good team, and I don't think their their defense. Well, definitely they. Uh, I think James Sands has a definite part to play in it. I think there's a couple different players that have some some definite. Uh, you know, Alex Ring has you know definitely some huge you know emphasis in that middle. But I don't think it's it. It doesn't live and die with Youngle Herrera anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, this is this team. It, it just feels more widely dis- distributed. Their defensive core, and with that, while. Maxi Morales is is the conductor of the attack. I feel like they can still be dangerous um, if a team marks him out of the game. I feel like they have a plan B, and I don't think that they've had that previously. I don't feel like Maxi Morales was. I mean, w- when they have David V, I don't feel like he was. Maxi Morales was the plan B. I feel like um, they just kind of were like, well. Uh, David Villa. No, he's uh, give it to Villa. You know what I'm saying? I feel yeah. like they they just kind of struggled trying to shift into some other pl- game plan, and now they kind of feel like they have a very distributed, uh, asymmetric game plan. I would say that yes, that is true, and I would also point out that while yes, marking him out of the game would do it. I'd say that Max Morales is surprisingly hard to mark out of games. Yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> he's, he's a very crafty player. Um, and, and while he doesn't have like the physical tools uh, necessarily, he's not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, his movement and his uh, just his game sense and, and the way that he kind of moves to the game is just, just elite level in this league. Um, so it's, it's an Achilles heel, but it's got a lot of protection. Um, that being said, I, yeah, I mean, if I had to pick a team that I like, just eye test, I'd say New York City is my favorite team in the East, um, just based on like what I see. Um, well, I mean, it, our model, I mean, our model agrees with us, right? Like, our uh, model has them set at forty-eight percent chance to take the first spot in the East, which is about eighteen points higher than what Atlanta is right now. <clears throat> yeah, that's surprising. I'm sorry, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen I, points. I think that our model is sleeping on Atlanta a little bit because um, I think Atlanta is kind of trending up a bit. Um, That's I possible. Know. I mean, I mean they've the- had the formation change, and it looks like that has seemed to cure a lot of what ailed them. Uh, so, and I know our model can't see that, or, or maybe it does. I don't know what Maddie put into it. I don't think it does. No. Um, but it, it uh, right now, I, I just. Gun to my head, I you said like pick the guy, the team that's coming out of the East. I'm gonna take Atlanta as much as I don't, as much as I don't love it. <laughs> no, I, and look, it's not as if you know um, everybody wants to. I, I, this is this is where it's hard for me to have the conversation because it feels like it, if it's not Atlanta, you're wrong, right? Yeah. And um, 
And so I think it becomes a kind of hard uh, in a way to have a conversation because look, Atlanta is very good. And if you're trying to justify why you're not picking them, um, it, it might come off as petty or it might be perceived as petty. Like, oh, you just don't like us. You're, you're a like, hater. Well, you're right. a hater. Look. Yeah, I get called a hater by Atlanta fans several yeah. times. <laughs> well, you are, but that's that's neither here nor there. Sure. They're really good. They're yes. a really good team. And that's not disparaging. NYCFC has been really really good this year atlanta has had some problems and they're starting to shake them out that said we saw last night they're not the most defensive superior team that they were last year look we can point to their amazing attack last year the thing that gets most lost is the fact that they had one of the best defensive seasons by any standard for mls last year buoyed by that attack though it was absolutely that attack definitely helped it but there are times that you just weren't going to score it didn't matter if you had 80 percent of the ball you yeah. weren't going to store against them they were going to take 20 20 points of pos- uh, possession they were going to go straight down the uh, nagby was going to win the ball back dribble through past one defender, give it to Elmeron, who is going to go the length of the field and mm-hmm. then find Martinez right there on the end of a pass. And game game's over. It doesn't matter how much of the game you had possession because that single series of possession was going to happen to you once during the game. All right, let me ask you this, Harrison. It seems like we're not talking about Philadelphia, who are very much in this conversation and should be. Um, they're the current points leaders. I mean, they're tied. You know, uh, they're a little bit behind in points per game. But why, why, why can't we embrace Philly as the favorites? Because they don't have an elite player. What about Jefferson Montero? I mean, how many games? I mean, look at how many minutes Montero has this season. What about? I mean, like, like his own. And no, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. I think Montero has been uh, fantastic. The problem with. Uh, with that is like his coach doesn't start him right yeah. like and it's not necessarily that he's a bad player it's just sometimes he doesn't fit and they are a very much a flexibly uh tactical fit uh team and that's and that's how they go about it they've been extremely shrewd i mean they went back last week to basically what they were doing last season so that they could just absolutely dismantle dc marco fabian Okay. Marco Fabian, I, I mean, do you, I don't know if he's if he's truly elite. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a really good player that has uh, one side to his game that is absolutely near elite status, but it's only one side of his game. Yeah, um, I agree. It it feels. It feels like they aren't an elite team, doesn't it? Um, well, I mean, I didn't say that. I don't think they're an elite team. That's that's here's where I think that they. This is where people sleep on them, and this is my personal opinion. I think that attack and the way that they are adjusted tactically, and the people that they have that don't give a crap about who they're playing each week, they're going to go in and they're going to take their shots. They don't care where they find them. They're going to take them. And when you have a team that's going to take their shots, they're going to score some goals. And that's something that Philadelphia has done on the regular this year. They have found their shot chances. And they've, as a byproduct, they've scored a lot of goals. I think that there's, I don't know, there's some really interesting pieces in Philadelphia for me. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Fafa Picot. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I like this Aronson kid as well. It, it seems like they have a lot of looks they can give you. Like I feel like they can kind of they, they have a, they, they got a couple of cards in their deck. You know they can kind of throw down. Uh, and so well, I, think I mean, that makes don't forget little... about Bedoya, right? Oh yeah, no Bedoya, Madunjanin, like very very underappreciated players in this league. They're they're excellent, and having them next to each other back there is extremely solid. And, and a lot of teams would, would love to have that. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, I, I feel like they're, they're the kind of team that can just kind of show up and, and, and mix you up a little bit, give you some mix-ups, and uh, they can be a little tougher. I think that they're, they're a wily opponent at times, and uh, so I, I don't think that they have the ability to dominate teams as well as Atlanta or NYC possibly could. 
but I think I can give just about anybody a game. No, I, look, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I th- and I think over the years, people kind of at least should know me by this point in time that I, I, I'm a huge fan of what Philly does, both mm-hmm. tactically, what they've done with their roster construction. Um, I will admit, I don't I, they're over they're overachieving what we would expect them to be. Yes. That being said, I mean, they still are uh, higher on expected points than NYC. They're still higher on expected points than Atlanta. This is a team that while they probably don't have any right being as good as what they are, I don't think Andre Blake is an elite keeper. Um, I don't think they have this elite defense, although I think their defense is very good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, I think that there's definitely holes within them. But to be like, well, because Blake's not an elite keeper, because they don't have an elite defense, and because we don't know who their attackers are, eh, I'm going to throw this Philadelphia over my shoulder and just not care about Dude, like, yeah, I, I, I really feel like they – I really feel like primarily uh, people are just throwing Philadelphia away. And I think come playoff time, Philadelphia is going to shock at least one team. There's one of the things I find that's really interesting about Philadelphia is just like how a lot of their signings have just completely whiffed. Uh, and they're still working that core, though. Like, Santos kind of was a bust, right? Uh, I don't think anyone would say that Marco Fabian has, like, lived up to his price tag. I think he's been okay, but it certainly wasn't what they were expecting or what I think that they were hoping he would be. Uh, you know, David Akam last year. Like, you look at these guys, like, Corey Burke was good, but, like, he, I mean, they lost him to, like, weird issues. And, like, they've still managed to maintain despite Sapong. that. You got rid of Sapong. Um you know, like, they, they haven't done a lot of flashy stuff. Like, Montero's obviously, I think, been a really good signing. Um, I'm not saying that they haven't made good signings, but just, like, I, I, you've seen them, like, you don't see teams that kind of whiff on this many that still are successful. No, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, that said... Uh, so there's, yeah, like, a good core there, I think. Yeah. So, I really like how... Uh, I really wasn't a fan of them training Rosenberg at the end... At the... Keegan Rosenberg at the end of the yeah. year. Uh, last year, uh, I wasn't a fan of them moving Sapong. Um, I really thought they were going to probably take a step back with the way that they're talking about the change in their uh, tac- tactics. But yeah, they've and yet they they've surprised. They they've and it's not like they've completely overachieved. They they've achieved overachieved marginally, but uh, not even marginally. But they've yeah. achieved slightly. But um, but still, I mean, they have a pretty. Steady, and you got to think they have uh, McKenzie hasn't even necessarily been the defensive player that they that they would want there. He's barely been there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, uh, but Trusty and Jack Elliott, and uh, you know, like those those two have uh, have done very very well so far. I mean, they're not an elite defense like you said, but but solid and uh, enough that they've kept them in in, all, in just about all their games. Well, I mean, Aurelian Collin, uh, Raymond mm-hmm. Gaddis, uh, and uh, Warren Cravel. Um, these are all like names that it's like kind of like uh, who, and they're using them to steady their 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 team as a whole. Yeah. These are guys that they're they're using, and they go and sign Andrew Wooten. You know, they're bringing in Ilicino. I don't have we even mentioned Ilicino coming off the bench, who's I just talked, been. I, I mentioned him once when I said he there was an elite player on their team. Oh, I <laughs> mean that's Ilicino, man. Yeah. He's a crazy story. I love that guy. I mean, it is very entertaining to watch this dude just kind of come off the bench looking like your dad and then just like owning football for like 20 minutes. Well, and he's and for 20 minutes, he can totally gas some people. He yep. really can. And um, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love him. I, I, I think it's been, what, since 2017 in Houston that we've had a player like this? Yeah, we looked at him and just went like, when we started doing those bar graphs, like, Dummy pulled out Elzinho's, and I was just like, what the heck? <laughs> like, he looked like the best player in the league. You're like, you're like, what can he do? And it's like, play 90 minutes. That's it. For yeah. 20 minutes, there's nothing he can't do. Uh, that's just so exciting. It's so funny. It's just such a funny situation. But, yeah, he's he's a great player. Like, a lot of teams don't have that kind of thing off the bench where it's like, okay, for 20 minutes, this guy can be, like, league elite. Uh, at the top of at the top of his game, like that's quite a cool thing to have, uh, you know, sa- saved over there uh, just in case you need it. 
Yeah, Vasante Sanchez is like the last player that I feel oh, like yeah. could really come on and do that. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, man, I feel like people really kind of after Colorado let him go, I was so sad to see him kind of. I felt like he was a forgotten player, and I was so happy that they brought him in for that short period of time. That was a that was a fun kind of uh, 2017 season. I, I really enjoyed that was, that. that was a fun time for them. Um, all right, so uh, you're gonna say MIC is the leader in the East? Uh, no. If I can throw Philadelphia in there, I think Philadelphia is better. Okay. I'm just because just... I want to hear Dummy Run uh, at me later. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's. Uh... I'm saying something. I don't know. But really, and, it's NYC. Yeah, but really, it's probably NYC. East is exciting again. It was really boring for a while, but now the the, the shuffling is good. So good for them. Let's do some listener questions. Ba-doop, what do you say? Okay, is there a theme song for that now? We've let so many segments go, Harrison. We've abandoned all of our segments that we thought we'd do, <laughs> except for listener questions. Now we just talk. We barely even. All right. Uh, first question, what is Demir Krylak's best position with RSL? What is RSL's optimal front six? Uh, this is like a three-part question uh, from UT Karen. Thank you, UT Karen. Uh, the stats suggest Atlanta's worst defensive team this year than either 2017 or 18. Why do pundits keep suggesting this is their best season? All right, let's handle uh, Demir Krylak's best position with R- within RSL. What do, you, what do you think, Harrison? I want to say probably a... 10 but he's not a creative 10 dude i i have no idea honestly i I, that is that is one scenario i'm not sure maybe stick him at as a number nine and then you can play him a little he can be a little bit more selfish on the ball and you can stick you know sam johnson wide joe plata wide yeah um yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean I guess I like him at a nine. Just, but I don't know if I like him better than Johnston. Um, more than Johnston. they do, do. They do two different things, right? Yeah, they kind of have him and. Um, but that would be play. kind of an interesting four four twos. Put those two together, right? Yeah, but I don't think they're gonna have Krylak play like a false nine. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I I think Krylak's been given a lot of um, stick. Um, some of it fairly. I, I don't know. I, he's. He's one of those weird players that, that kind of reminds me a little bit of like Giovanni Dos Santos, not in the way they play, but just in the sense that they're kind of in an awkward spot where you're like, I don't really know where he's be- – he's obviously a good player, but we just don't know where to, like, to put this particular piece. Um, uh, well, I mean, that he, yeah, uh, D- Dos Santos, Dempsey was kind of similar towards the end. Yeah, Seattle. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's just kind of like – he's a good player, but like he doesn't really fit anywhere. Yeah, I think I think a four four two and being that second striker in a four four two is probably best. Yeah, that's that's actually the answer for Santos and Dempsey as well. Yeah, I, I mean, right? Want to do it. Uh, yeah, teams not really want to use that that secondary striker. Uh, as for their best front six, goodness, I don't know. Um, probably Johnson, like Rusnak, Sacedo, Severino. Um, yeah. <clears throat> What's that? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had something stuck I, in my throat. I know I can't use plot. I can't put plot in there. No, I, mean, I know he's played so little this year. Like in the in the years past, we could justify it. I, I don't think look. I, I still think it. I still think he's. I still think he's the best six. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the, Joel Plot again here in a few minutes. I promise you. Okay. So we'll come back to that. Um, so I mean I don't know I I think they kind of do that four two three one. They've got like Louise and Beckerman and Savarino, Rusnak, Salcedo, and Johnson. That's fine. I, I don't. I wouldn't mess with that too much. They're doing great. They're second place in the West now. There you go. Um, RSL fans, I'm sorry. I guess I don't. I don't have a very clever answer or creative suggestion for that. Except like, I, I. I think Savarino is kind of overrated, but I don't think you guys have a lot of. I don't, I don't think there's a lot. I don't know. Of plan I mean, that's maybe where you put um, Plata, but it seems like there are reasons that. Maybe we just don't know that, that he's just that's not going to be a thing they're that interested in. So yeah, just um, pay him, put him on the bench, don't trade him, don't sell him. That's good. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever what happened to Corey Baird? Uh, Corey Baird, he's he's a thing. He, yeah. Did he win Rookie of the Year last year? I feel yeah. like he did. Yeah. I don't feel like he's been very effective. I don't know why he's been called into the U.S. Men's National Team, but you know what? Um, I imagine Greg Berhalter has some idea of what he's up been up yeah. to and so yeah he's got a few goals a few goals maybe Barrett can fit in that mix someplace or Savarino maybe I don't know he's more of a top guy too 
Yeah, I don't know. They have a curious collection of players there at, at uh, Salt Lake City, and um, yeah, I think they more or less got it down to what they're going to do. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Sam Johnson kind of getting out there and stretching the field and yeah, you know trying to hit some long balls. I, th- I think that works. All right. The second part of this working. question is: the stats suggest Atlanta is a worse defensive team this year than either 2017 or 18. Why do pundits keep suggesting this is their best season defensively? I don't think I've heard that many people do it, but I guess I've what heard, I would I've, s- I've heard it say, as well. I guess what I would say is that um, I think a lot of pundits tend to just sort of go along with um, some narratives sometimes. And I think the idea was that DeBoer was a more defensive coach, and mm-hmm. that was the reason that they went with him, and that was also the cause of their early season foibles, um, was that they were more focused defensively so that people say that that's their best defensive side. I mean, it's not bad defensively this year either. I think Well, uh, so, I mean, okay, so if you want to look and compare 2019 versus 2018, yes, they've given up fewer goals on a per-game basis. Um, this so year that's last year? This year. Yeah. Uh, this year they've given up fewer goals than last year on a per-game basis. Okay, yeah. So yeah. from that perspective they've been more successful right DeBoer's turned them quote unquote into a much more uh tactically tactically defensive unit you know um again quote unquote that being said by all metrics uh 2018 was a, a great year for them from an expected goals against perspective they just didn't give up a lot of high leverage shots they didn't and when they got beat they got beat and they went and uh, dogpiled the other team with you know more goals, uh, yeah. so it, it really wasn't it really wasn't too big of a thing. And uh, I, yeah. I think that there's just more emphasis that if you're not going to be that team uh, that has that big bully that's going to absolutely wallop you with the three, four, five goals every single game, mm-hmm. um, you're going to have to be more technically uh, technically uh, I think, defensive. I think maybe that's the answer to the question: is that you see Atlanta winning more close games this year. Um, and maybe that's why people are saying that, but I, I don't think it's true. I think that I agree. I think that me and Harrison agree with you, T. Karen here. That, that which, by the way, we see through the nonsense. You, T. Karen, we're smarter than the pundits. Uh, Keep out. I was just gonna say uh, this past week we got a message from uh, UT um, who is on their way up to Seattle. I think this weekend for uh, Sounders game. Uh, versus I think Galaxy they're just basically going to a game up here in Seattle they wanted to travel up here and experience the atmosphere cool. and everything so I atmosphere. hope you have a really good time yeah thanks for all the questions UT Karen thanks for listening uh, speaking of Seattle Carlin Carpenter 14 says if you could sign three players currently in MLS for Seattle to fix them who would they be boy let me tell you something Carlin Carpenter that's a good question um you said you were going to have a better answer than a boat. I really like that answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, I assume for the purposes of this hypothetical thought experiment, we should make the choices realistic because, you know. Carlos Vila. It's not really a great answer, is it? Um, I don't know. So, I, I mean, I think to do this, we need to, like, I would just first, like, address kind of what I think Seattle's <clears throat> biggest three needs are. And I think that that is uh, help on the wing. Um I think that that is uh, help at center back, and um, I think probably just uh, like, well, I don't know because we haven't seen their new guy Chichini or whatever. Do you know how to say his name? I'm, I've got this wrong, and I've uh, just been kind of Civicini. I think something something to that. You got the Eni in me, and like I have no idea now. Maybe like Sakini, Sakini. Anyway, well, we'll figure that out when he actually plays. I guess he did come on for a few minutes, but I don't know if like that has answered any of their central midfield questions. Uh, so I'm going to just use that as my third right there and say that uh, first guy I would go get, um, I think maybe gettable. It would be, it would probably cost a lot of money, but I would get Jack Elliott from Philadelphia. Um, I think that losing Marshall uh, and then Roman Torres, I think that the whole Ariaga situation, I think they wanted that ramp up to go on a lot, much longer timeline than it currently has. And I think Elliott provides some now cover, a uh, guy we know that can defend in this league well. Um, and I, I think that could just provide a little more time for Ariaga, and I think eventually that would make a really cool partnership. Um, because we're not sure like what's going to happen with Kim Kihi next year. But I assume this is for just like right now, if I could just like flip the rosters like it was FM editing mode. Um I would give them Jack Elliott, 
Uh, for wing help, uh, go get Plata. Somebody should. Um, I don't know why Aristotle doesn't like him, uh, but uh, he's a very good player, and he could do exactly what Seattle need uh, right now, which is provide some spark off the wing and work out up top if need be in a pinch. Um, and then for just, like, central midfield cover, uh, like, I think you could go and get, like, Dax, somebody like that, like an older player that can just put solid minutes there for you. Um, those would be my three, I think, somewhat realistic choices. What do you, what do you think, Harrison? No, I, you know, I think we kind of went back and forth on Jack Elliott, not because uh, Jack Elliott's a bad player, but um, just talking about Jack Elliott versus McKenzie would probably be more gettable. And that was yeah. my one point, then we were going back and forth in DMs yeah. earlier. Uh, yeah, but I, I really just like Elliott a lot. So um, Another uh, another player that you might throw out there as far as just uh, being out there on the wings um and again i don't know how viable it is marlon harrison would be kind of an interesting uh pickup um, mm-hmm. just because Definitely again gives you speed gives you a, the ability to add another dimension to to your team um, yeah i don't know necessarily if we'd want him to be a starter or not that's just kind of no i wouldn't um, think so mm-hmm. yeah i, I kind of didn't think so either um but uh plata seems like he'd be the the probably the best um, you could get you could get Roe there as well. Um, you know, I don't know if Roe makes is that big of an impact for the for this Sounders team because I feel like yeah. Roe would pretty much be where Harry Ship is be a slight mo- slight uh, modification. Yeah, on on Harry Ship. I don't want to say upgrade. Well, we'll find out. I guarantee you, he'll be in Seattle next. He year, would be an so. upgrade though. Um, it feels disparaging. Um, I feel like you probably go to Dallas and you could probably get some, uh, I feel like there's a match there, um, for talent versus, uh, need with gam. And I think that the Sounders could probably, uh, find a nice, uh, medium of, and look, Total Football and I have had some conversations about this, and we'll, I want to get the, to this at an, another time, uh, another podcast, but talking about whether or not it's when it's appropriate to trade allocation money internally to the league, to the rest of the league. And yeah. I think that Dallas might have a – Dallas, Philadelphia, those would probably be the teams that I'd be looking for because um, there would be, probably be a, a good strike between what they need back uh, yeah. versus uh, what – a team would be willing to give up or should be willing to give up for talent. Yeah. So, um, you're going to go with like McKenzie and Plata. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You got a third player. Is there anybody else you'd add to this team? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you could probably make a case for a couple others. I, it just kind of escapes me. I didn't look too hard at it. Uh, yeah. so yeah, not okay. really. All right, so uh, there's uh, there's the answer to your question, Carlin. Thank you for the question. I would probably uh, completely redo the Sounders roster if that was me. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was imagining more just like the hand of God reaching in and just messing with rosters real quick for the rest of the year. That's kind of how I was approaching it. Maybe Darwin Quintero without like breaking the game. You know, still keeping it somewhat realistic. I don't know. Uh, JDB underscore 219 asks, do players need to shoot more? Altidore and Haber, for example, are scoring about 0.25 of their shots. Some players need to shoot more. Some players probably do not need to shoot more. I I think that (laughs) I I don't think it's like a you need to shoot more. Um, Though I I imagine we could probably go through um, scenarios and highlight certain situations where players are getting uh, the ball in the 18 and they're not taking a shot. I, I think there's I think there's probably three to five, maybe even up to half a dozen to a dozen uh, situations in in every game where a team should be taking that shot. That being said, yeah, to to exactly what Ian just said, and I think he was thinking of the same play that I am. There there are situations where it's just like, dude, do not waste possession. Don't kill the possession for a low leverage shot. Yeah, as for always, like what XG I think tends to. Um really try to push is the idea of, of um, smart shots um, and good shot selection. And I think that uh, some teams are very uh, 
But we've we've also said before that there are examples where some teams just are always looking for that perfect chance and they don't end up with a lot of chances at all. And I think that there are certain teams and certain players that could stand to, um, you know, be a little a little quicker on the draw. Uh, that being said, there are some players that just shoot way too much and waste possessions, and like that's the opposite effect. So there, there's a happy medium there. So there's there's not one answer um, that that players would shoot more. And I think if you look at Haber and Josie Altador, and they're scoring at this particular rate of their shots, I don't know that that scales with the amount of shots that they're going to take if they start taking twice as many shots. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to be finding twice as many good opportunities like that are as good as the ones they're currently taking. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, those two seem to have a, have a pretty good system going. <laughs> so uh, I think they're probably doing all right. I, I wish there was like a, a biblical truth answer to this where like, oh, yeah, always like generate more XG, shoot more. Um, but it really is a very it's – a, it's, a, it's a situation that depends on the player um, and, and the team individually. It just kind of depends on like what, what their situation is. Just looking at Toronto, it, yeah. it is kind of interesting with uh, Pizuelo who hasn't been starting as much, right, due to his uh, – I don't know if – it's like lack of commitment or however it was specifically phrased, but I you know, he was I, just kind of hurt. Um, lack of commitment is, is Pozuelo on the outs. Uh, yeah, he's not on the outs, but he was, uh, he was, he was not starting this past week. He did not start the first half because, uh, uh, you know, some tactical, uh, oh. misqueries. So they got a lot better when he came on. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny how that works <laughs> when you have the best players in the league. It's kind of kind of interesting how they how you're better when they're playing for you. It's true. <laughs> they 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 do get better. Um. All right. I don't really. Uh, I don't know how this. I don't. Can you break down this last question for me? I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah. Here. So in the historical top, like looking over our entire database, it, I, I read it as the entire database. Yeah. Uh, the top twenty greatest combined XG plus XA seasons. Assumptions, biases you're making when calculating XG chain and dream data to have. Um, so I think this kind of is a multi-layered uh, question. Maybe yeah. save it. We're kind of pushing time right now. Uh, David, yeah. uh, we will come back to this uh, probably this off season and maybe talk about some, some teams that are talk about some players that we wish that they had, we had XG for those seasons as well as maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I understand this question now. Yeah, yeah. And then as well as maybe we'll, we'll talk about, uh, how you calc, how we calculate, uh, the the chain of events within uh xg yeah. chain and okay. then talk about some of the data that we do have coming because we do have more stuff coming down the pipe believe yeah, me this is a really yeah like I, we could talk for an hour about all of this stuff mm-hmm. uh and off season seems like a good time to do it so uh thank you at d uh, v d lee uh he says name is david thank you david uh, that that is those are excellent points. Unfortunately, we just ran out of time on it. And your question it deserves a, a bigger look than we were able to give it here in the next thirty seconds or so. So um, that's it, Ben. We did it. We completed another episode of the American Soccer Analysis Show. Uh, we hope it lived up to the expectations that you've uh, you, you've come to have for us. Our standard of excellence um, and accuracy, correct pronunciation of names, uh, correct that that's the standard we put up. Yes, it's a new standard. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you, uh, as always, for listening. Uh, thank you to my friend, my colleague, my co-host, uh, Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. Um, please follow uh, the website at uh, at Analysis Evolved is the Twitter handle uh, on there. Um, and visit the website, www.americansoccernalysis.com. Um, we have some people working on some stuff. Uh, it's been a little bit of a dry week content-wise, but but I think you're going to see a lot pop next week. Uh, just we have some stuff in the can. Uh, so, so, so be sure to go check that out. Uh, as always, the interactive tables uh, rock and kick in there. Updated playoff predictions. Um, Shiny app has never worked better than it works right now. Uh, and we, we thank our, our lovely staff for that. Uh, you guys uh, have a wonderful rest of your week. Uh, we'll see you next time. And until then, enjoy the soccer. Oh, yeah, I owe the gun here, right?
Oh! 